Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well today. Uh, we had a, sort of an awkward episode uh, last weekend. Things didn't go exactly as planned, but we were still able to get some content out. We did our players the highlight and our matchups. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a quality weekend, I'd say. Uh, podcast aside, and uh, yeah, I think we got a we got a condensed week this week again. We're as far as the days we're recording, but we got two episodes coming this week. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, summer summer activities can can kind of alter things, and you know. It's a thing where, like, you got to take advantage of of your opportunities when you have them. So, you know, sometimes the podcast kind of goes... Especially in the Northeast where it's not always old. It's not always warm out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, when it's it's March and it's 45 degrees out, we could spend all day inside (laughs) previewing teams. We're totally fine with that. But, you know, the... Lake houses, they, they have their limited months of, of action and you got to take advantage of it. And that's what, that's what we've been doing. That's what I'm doing right now here in, there you go. here in Naples, Maine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The baseball season, the MLB season does not, uh, does not factor that. So there is baseball to talk about. Biggest news of the past week was uh, a little, you know, actually not a little, a big brawl that happened out in Anaheim. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels and Seattle Mariners uh, got into a fight. Um, pretty, uh, it is very interesting, very interesting top to bottom. Uh, what, what were your, yeah. what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, there were a lot of moving parts. It was probably one of the best quality baseball fights we've had. I'd say since the uh, the Astros and A's one in 2020, I'd I, I'd say it was probably better than that, um, but that was the last big one we had. But it was probably the biggest one we've had, maybe since the Rangers and, and Blue Jays in 2016. Yeah, I think there's a solid. There would be a solid argument for maybe multiple Pirates Reds ones, um, back That's, in uh, 2019. That 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 is true. I mean, you could even I'd say you could even argue that this one was bigger than that. The one thing you can, the one constant is Jesse Winker and Rice yeah. Iglesias. Yeah, there were there were uh, I think yeah there were probably more suspensions in, in this one, um, but yeah the we had an interpreter get suspended. Yeah, that that's that, that's how, that's what that's how big this was. Um, but yeah, the context of the situation was the night before the fight, which took place on Sunday. Uh, the fight did um, the night before the fight uh, the Eric Mariners Swanson. met up on the mound um, 
I think that Mike Trout was the last out they had to get. They met up on the mound. Um, and then like the two pitches after the meeting on the mound, the pitches were kind of up and in on Trout. Facts where they they were up and in. That's that's for sure. Um, One of them would have hit him in the head if he didn't dodge it. Yes. Uh, the next day, the Angels trot out an an opener as a starter. What well, I for, it was was it Andrew Wance? Andrew Wants. Andrew Wants. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Wants. It was his first career. It was his first career major league start. He had had over thirty relief appearances beforehand. Yeah, and uh, the first pitch of the game went behind Julio Rodriguez's back. I think, yeah. Um, I think it there was, was in another, the first inning. Yeah, I think there was a another one. Oh, another one that almost hit him too. Then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, first inning goes by. There's no hit by pitches uh, for Seattle. Then the second inning comes. First pitch to Jesse Winker, Seattle's, uh, I think, cleanup hitter, uh, hits him. And Winker starts jawing, starts jawing at the dugout, I think a little bit at the pitcher, goes towards the dugout, starts fighting the Angels. Anthony Rendon is in a cast. We talked about his season-ending injury uh, a couple, maybe a week and a half ago or so. He's in a cast. He just kind of mushes Jesse Winker's face with his left hand. Um, you know, no matter the, the reason. It's been the season of, of Anthony Rendon's left hand. <laughs> yeah. No matter the reasoning, that's a pretty cool thing to do on Anthony Rendon's part. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, we, yeah, there's just more fighting. J.P. Crawford, probably the, in term, if there was like, wins above replacement for the actual combat i think he 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 would lead the he would lead that that fight he had he he had the most potential damage uh of anyone punching so shout out to him i guess um, Crawford. yeah jp jp crawford um and then there were some uh I, i'm probably missing some things but there were the sunflower seeds or pack of gum that was just thrown that was right iglesias that was Rysel yeah, Iglesias. Well, Rysel was upset because, because he was the peacemaker the whole time. He was just trying to separate the two sides. He found out he got ejected. And he just threw, and by the way, the throws were amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that was also, like, at least the Sunflower seats. I'm pretty sure he also led with his left hand on that throw. And then they almost went onto the field from the dugout. And yeah. Rysel, another right-handed, uh, well, he's a pitcher. Rendon is not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could so, be yeah. wrong on that though, but either way, very strong throw. Um, so yeah, the, the final result, the final results of this, uh, so I'm looking at this ESPN article, MLB suspends 12 players, coaches, um, they forgot to add interpreters <laughs> for roles in Seattle Mariners. I guess, I guess you count that as a coach. I guess. Yeah. Um, I would have said like players, coaches and staff. So, uh, I'm. I want to. They're really burying the lead here, in this uh, in this article. Okay, Phil Nevin, uh, the Angels' interim manager, got a 10-game suspension. Uh, Jesse Winker got seven. Rendon got five, which will go into account next season. 
Dom, Dom Chidi, who is an Angels coach, got suspended five. J.P. Crawford got five. Poor Andrew Wants got three. Brian Tapera got three. Julio Rodriguez got two. Ray Montgomery, who's a coach, got two. Manny Del Campo, who's an interpreter, got two. And Bill Hasselman, who's a coach, got two. Or I'm sorry, got one. So one, two, three, four coaches and six – or no, five coaches and five players, I believe, or seven players maybe. Um, Phil Nevin, I think, definitely deserved the, the most of the suspension because <laughs> – like he, I mean, he really instigated everything on Sunday, in my opinion. Yeah, and and it um, what I forgot to mention was, he was sort of instigating things, um, the night before, after Seattle um actually got Mike Trout out for the last out of the game, he was yelling was Otani, at Otani, but yeah, or oh yeah, Otani, um. So like yeah, well, uh, about it later they got the the last out of the game. He was yelling at the team. He was yelling at the Mariners. He was yelling at Scott Service, the Mariners manager, um, and really just, uh, you know, kind of rising things. And and when when you know in the first inning there's guys being thrown at. It's no question that Phil Nevin had a had a major part in the decision making. <laughs> process it wasn't uh andrew wants uh acting acting alone here it was it was clear that that was a phil nevin thing um so yeah it, it does make sense that he was suspended 10 games i feel i feel bad for andrew Wants in this situation um because like that's a guy who does not have a like he's not guaranteed a spot on the team i mean you know he has been pitching well this year uh, 17 innings pitched a 318 ERA, although he does have a 4.72 FIP. So, I mean, what yeah. that suggests is, you know, it could really take one blow up outing for him to kind of lose his spot on the team. So he kind of has no choice in this situation, but to do what his manager tells him to. And in that instance, it really sounded like Phil Nevin just straight up told him you're going out there to hit some batters and then get ejected and leave. Yeah. And there were, there were many there, you know, there's many guys in the angels rotation that could have said no. Um, if they were asked to do that, like, you know, Noah Syndergaard, Patrick Sandoval, of course, Shohei Otani. Um, Shohei like those, was were, never. those were guys that, you know, could have said no to him, but like Andrew wants, he is, no, he has no leverage with Phil Nevin in this situation or mm-hmm. just the angels in general. So yeah, of course. Yeah. You definitely have to feel bad for him um, being thrust into this situation. Um, yeah. I, should we talk about like, like, I, I don't know. Like I find, I find it very funny that, uh, that the angels for the next 10 games have to go with their interim interim manager. Yeah, that's it is very like funny. Like they're pulling up the third string guy. Yeah, it would be very funny if um if they just started streaking after that. It's like uh third, Yeah, they're like we're actually time. keeping our they they where they win the next 10 games. They've already they already they beat the White Sox last night, I believe. So I mean, I don't I don't know if Nevin like appealed the suspension. I don't know if anyone has appealed so far. Yeah, I mean like but yeah, I mean Phil Phil Nevin's Who is Phil Nevin. For the he's just like I've never like when 
when he was, you know, announced as interim manager, I wasn't expecting much of a change going on. I was just like, that's a, that is a human being. Yep. Yeah. He's, he seems like like, they, they need a human being to fill that role and he fit that criteria. Yeah. And he seems like a older school kind of, tough guy mentality manager I mean, in a clearly. way um you know having his having his rookie pitcher throw at some pretty good hitters uh that mm-hmm. the mariners have um so yeah i mean i think also even just the, the the idea of i feel like the idea of throwing at someone intentionally is a very older school mindset like i don't think you know, like Aaron Boone or Alex Cora or like Rocco Baldelli is going out telling their players to do that. And they've all been in situations where there's been animosity towards teams. Like, I don't think, you know, Rocco Baldelli was like, hey, I want you guys throwing at your mean Mercedes because he swung on 3-0 and hit that ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Like, I feel like the term brush back pitch has been used less and less over time. Um, yeah. Like, I, I really think that intentionally hitting someone is kind of on its way out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, I think, like, way back in the day, going for the yeah. head was more acceptable. Now, like, even the oldest yeah. school of oldest school never do that. Um, that's just pretty much out of the game. If it If it is that way. The amount of times, anytime there's a fight or, like, anytime some guy – like hits a home run and like and flips the bat and does all the celebration stuff if it ever makes headlines go on twitter and just search bob gibson and you'll just see a bunch of well you know what bob gibson would have done yeah (laughs) yeah that's very true (laughs) yeah especially if someone does it against the cardinals right right (laughs) like if you like i remember in uh in 2019 like during the nlcs when soto was doing his thing like he was doing the Soto shuffle, he was hitting well. There were so many Cardinal fans like, we need to hit Soto in the head right now. Yeah, yeah, it 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 was um, yeah, that was that was uh, you know, it, it makes it makes a little bit of sense, not not to not to do that, but you know, that people have that uh mentality mm-hmm. still, in a way, um. Also, yeah, anyone, I think it is say, an older anyone saying thing. anyone saying that someone should be domed in the head has never like been up close to a been 95 mile head. per hour fastball, no. or even or even just been in the batter's box to see 95, um, like or or even really anything. <laughs> you can't be you can't be wishing a dome piece on any of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, CF Phil Nevin, I think. Yeah, he de- he deserves a suspension. Ten games um, is a lot, but it's I don't mm-hmm. think it's crazy excessive. Um, Jesse Winker, I think by I think it's warranted. Yeah, but by like you have to give him a suspension for in you know he instigated yeah. a fight. I sure. mean, Major League Baseball's their their criteria isn't the context. It's always just your role, and you know. Like anytime there's a fight, like you know they're trying to prevent stuff like that. And Jesse Winker, did he play a major role in the fight? Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. You could, the fight probably wouldn't have happened without him, even if it wasn't his fault. You know, even if if going back to the last night, like 
I remember, you know, he was making the case saying, like, we didn't hit you guys. You guys just hit us. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got you have to it, – it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that he got seven games. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if he – it's it's you can debate whether he's justified or not. Um, but the fact mm-hmm. is, is, like, if he wants to get a fight, you're going to get – you're going to get about a week-long suspension, which is what he's getting, so. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, a fun, a good, fun baseball fight. We love to see that. Luckily, no A real one. one. Yeah, luckily, no one was hurt either, so bonuses all around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Giving us good, some good great. Good job, guys. Some, some great, wholesome content uh, to end our, uh, end our weekend. <laughs> um. So that leads into um, some Another more AOS story, more action in the AL West. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Um, more action in the AL West uh, with. Um, there was a no hitter. Um, the Houston Astros, no hit um, best team in baseball this year, the New York Yankees. So that's impressive in its own right. They struck out 15 Yankee batters. They walked three. It was a combined no-hitter. Christian Javier threw seven innings. Uh, Hector Neris threw one. And then Ryan Presley closed it out um, with a perfect inning of, uh, of two strikeouts. Um, you know, this, uh, this one was uh, pretty interesting. Like, not a guy you'd necessarily expect. Um to have such a performance, not a lineup you'd expect to get no hit. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, on the no hitter when it happened? Uh, it was cool. I mean, I think it's the Astros and Yankees as a rivalry is definitely in right now, even though even though the storylines are very dated. Um, but you know what? Both fan bases don't like each other. The, the they're the two best teams in the American League, so I think it's fun that you know the Astros now have this leverage against the Yankees. Uh, like the last two times that they've been no hit have both been against the Astros, uh, which I think is interesting and pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, you know, we mentioned a, it's a, it's a combined no hitter. We've been kind of, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we haven't loved combined no hitters, but if, if we're, if we were to yeah, do no, and combined... like this, and this is no different, but given the teams, it's cooler. Yeah, if it's a combined, like if we're tiering, if we're doing a tier list on combined no hitters, I'd say this is like a potentially S tier um, combined no hitter mm-hmm. given yeah. strikeout numbers. It's, S- it's SOPS plus. Yeah. <laughs> given, uh, yeah, given strikeout numbers, walk numbers, and the team it was against. And I'm not even saying like, saying this is a Yankee hitter uh, Yankee hater which I sort of am however like I I'm giving credit to the Yankees in that like this is a very good lineup yeah um they're not expected to be no hit and they and they were no hit um and you know like the Yankees also deserve a lot of credit in the series in general which is another subject they came back from three run deficits late twice to earn a split but yeah um also, from a statistical angle, yeah, uh, Christian Javier went seven innings, uh, 13 strikeouts, one walk. He threw 115 pitches. He had five pitches per plate appearance, and I was actually watching um, some of it last night, and I noticed a lot of foul balls. 
Yankees actually did a very good job of mm-hmm. extending um, their plate appearances and making sure that Javier didn't have a, a you know, a individual perfect game or individual no hitter. And uh, the, I, I looked at a stat um, or I found a stat, the Yankees on 48% of their swings had a foul ball against Christian Javier. Um, wow. Which is league average, I think is 37%, which I thought it was going to be lower, but still like the Yankees were um, on that particular day fouling better than fouling off balls at a better than average rate and extending at bats. So Javier really fought and clawed for those 13 strikeouts um, against those Yankees hitters. Um, So, you know, he had a fantastic uh, seven innings. I think it's also kind of reflective. He's had a pretty good year. Um, I think last year was a bit of a down year for him. And I think he's recovering sort of well and establishing himself more as a starter now. So uh, good for him there. Hector Neris. Hector Neris was the guy you had to get nervous about. I think he, uh, he walked two batters and he gave up a 112 mile per hour um, out to uh, Aaron judge, but then uh, Ryan Presley closed it out with two strikeouts and then a, and then a soft ground ball to third base. Um, Any more, uh, any more thoughts on this no hitter? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's encouraging for Christian Javier, like you just mentioned. That's a guy who, yeah, had the down year. He's a guy that, it, like, if he has really good stuff and if he can just stay in the zone, like, he's gonna be he's gonna be filthy. And he was that day. He faced Garrett Cole, who's kind of in the same boat. Um, one one just little odd thing I was looking at. Um, so Joey Gallo had a ball that uh, was hit 112.4 miles an hour at a third at a 42 degree launch angle. It was a barrel with a 670 expected batting average and went 334 feet. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty legit. I wanted to, but I wanted to check like other batted balls that had those similar metrics to see if, if maybe it was a dead ball thing, if it's a, you know, whatever. And there was, since 2015, there has been one other batted ball with a exit velocity between 111 and 113 miles an hour and a launch angle between 41 and 43. And it was Rugnet Odor in 2019, and it went 375 feet. Gallows went uh, 334, which that could be a 2019 thing. That could be a 2022 thing. It could be the you know the top spin or the bottom spin that the ball had because that does play a factor in how far a ball goes. But I found it very funny that though they're the only two batted balls and they had a 40 feet uh, separation. Yeah, yeah, that, <coughs> that is very funny. Um... And both of that, like the Yankees, they had two like solid hit balls between that and it was it ended up being a fly out to the warning track in left field. The the ballpark just barely held it in. Yeah. And, it, was, uh, it was it was funny ahead. too because um yeah, it was it was Hector Neris on the mound. It was and Astros were also they were only up two nothing at the time, so the game was not mm-hmm. uh fully in their hands. That could have given them the lead, yeah. And uh and that pitch, it was a first pitch right down the middle too. And, uh, and Gallo mm. just missed, like if, if he was probably, if he was more prepared, if he was more like, I'm going to go for this first pitch, he could have sent it like 480 feet if he wanted to, but um, yes. just like, just barely, barely missed it. 
obviously it's hard to hit. It's, it's like a, whatever AL, ALCS game it was in 2019 where someone on the Yankees hit what would have been like a go-ahead home run late, but it was a flyout to the warning track, but it would have been a routine flyout in any other stadium. And Yankee fans, like to this day, are like, imagine if that ball went out. Oh. I don't remember who hit it. Yeah, yeah. Um, hang on. You know what I'm talking about, right? Wait, which, which ALCS? It was 2019. 2019. It was one of the games at Yankee Stadium. The Angel, the Astros ended up winning. Um, was it like a was it like a day game or like a four o'clock game? Um, something like that. Yeah. I feel like it was uh the game Garrett Cole started in the Bronx, where uh yes Yankee yes. fans mocked him in the bullpen before he signed a record-breaking contract with them. <laughs> yep. Which yeah. I don't, I don't fault them for. Before it, Red Sox fans later did it with, no, 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 absolutely. Like he, it, he shouldn't get a pass in that specific moment because, you know, he was a future Yankee. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I can't find it, but if you know, you know. If we know, yeah. If you know, you know. Um, Actually, wait. Let me. Uh, hang on. I'm gonna go a little further into my research here. You can you can keep talking though. Um, yeah. So in terms of stats about this no hitter, yeah, like the Gallo, the Gallo ball. I mean that was um, close to being out. Yeah, right on the warning track. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't have been close to being out in a good amount of ballparks. Um, but it it was a fastball right down the middle that really could have been hammered. Um, and it was hit 112 miles per hour. Um, and then, yeah, judges, judges, 112 mile per hour, six degree launch angle like line drive, basically. Yeah. Line drive. Um, if it wasn't hit right at the shortstop, it would have been a guaranteed, uh, guaranteed hit for sure. Um, yeah. You know, all no hitters are going to have that. The, the Yankees had an expected batting average of 094 on the day, which is very, low even for a no hitter um i think the no hitters this year um have had expected batting averages well i know the reed detmers one was like in the 240s i think so mm -hmm. uh this was much more um yep much better than that one um and then compared to other combined no hitters i think yeah this one was really good like very quality team to do it against and um you know, 15 strikeouts, uh, not a lot of balls hit very hard. Um, like the, the Astros didn't really luck their way into a no hitter at all. Um, and I think the other, the other great combined no hitters that might top these would be when the Astros had their starter get injured. Um, when the Astros had their starter get injured. Um, and then they mm -hmm. just had a bullpen game for a combined no hitter. Um, of course, the Angels won after. And also, I was gonna say the Angels won had to be there after um, after the passing of, of Tyler Skaggs. And I, I don't mind that much, like when the starter goes eight and then there's just a closer. Um, the the most recent one was Corbin Burns. He went eight innings. Mm -hmm. Josh Hader went one. They combined for like 16 strikeouts. <clears throat> yep. Um, so yeah, if we're if we're talking combined no hitters, those are uh, those are up there. 
and yeah, we got we got this one. This one was pretty uh pretty wild too. Hang on, I'm just. I'll pause. The I, I'm about to find this home run that I was referring to. Another chance for Gregorius. Two on, two out. High fly ball into right. Back at the wall. It is caught to end the inning. Yeah, the potential home run that Daniel was talking about. We might edit it into the uh, video episode, so go to Above Replacement Radio on YouTube and watch that. But yeah, it was... You know, the combined forces of a 2019 baseball and Yankee Stadium. Um, if it was Fenway and it was a 2022 baseball. Uh, or just any other stadium. Yeah, the guy would be coming coming in on it probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it is funny that, <laughs> that you referenced that. Because yeah, things... You know, ballparks and different types of baseballs can can really affect things. Um, all right, so that should do it for the Astros no hitter. Um, now we get into a a fun topic. I think it's I think this race has been s- sort of heating up um, lately. Um, we've we've talked about it uh, on our own a little bit, and. It's the AL MVP race. There's a lot of uh, good potential candidates. Um, I would say, I would say there's like six to really consider, which is uh, mm-hmm. not something you see a lot. No one's particularly running away with it. I know that it's you know, actually it's late June now. I was about to say it's mid June. Yeah, it's it's late June, and uh, and yeah, we're t- we're talking AL MVP. So. Um, do we want to talk about the race as a whole? Do we want to go? Let's uh, go. Let's break down every individual candidate one by one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I have... go ahead. So the, the order we go in does not reflect our views. Uh, this is just the order I'm going in. So I'm going to start with Jordan Alvarez uh, of the Houston Astros, who of course just signed a $115 million extension for six years. And that's been paying immediate dividends for Houston. Uh, this year, he is slashing 312, 404, 649 for a 1053 OPS in 270 plate appearances. He has a 12.6% walk rate and only a 16.7% strikeout rate. That is pretty amazing. Uh, he is a 198 weighted runs created plus that leads the American League. The only other person in the majors with a higher uh, weighted runs created plus would be Paul Goldschmidt at 199, exactly one point higher. The only issue with his case, I'd say, he's the best offensive player, but because he's a DH, that's going to push him back a little bit. Uh, he currently ranks uh, – where is he ranking F4? I'm trying to find him. Sixth. Yeah, he's ninth in F4 in the majors. Oh, uh, so sixth in the A. 3.4. Yeah. Which is pretty – I mean, that's very good. Um, Especially so yeah, for Jordan Alvarez is the first candidate. And – Best offensive player in my mind, but the defense is going to push him back. The base running is going to push him back. If we're talking all-around player, I don't know if I know how valuable the writers consider that. So I think, you know, he's going to have to be the best offensive player in the league by a wide margin to have a chance at the MVP. But as it stands right now, he definitely has that chance. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, 
yeah, Alvarez has jumped into that conversation. He's been, I mean, he's been, you could argue, the best player in baseball over the past few weeks, um, no matter like offense, defense, just combined everything. Um, so, yeah, as, as you mentioned, he's hitting 312 with a 1053 OPS. He's first in the AL in OPS and weighted runs created plus, and he's sixth in, in the AL in F4. Um, also, should be noticed, should be noted. So in the StatCast era, and this, you know, this stat can obviously change because this is a smaller sample size and it, the season is continuing. But in the StatCast era, there has never been a season with a higher expected WOBA uh, minimum 150 batted balls. Uh, he, he, has a, he has a 492 expected WOBA. Um, and, That's incredible. And like a 440-something actual WOBA. So it's funny to think, you know, the guy leading in weighted runs created plus uh, should be doing better <laughs> um, according to the uh, expected. Like a lot better, actually. Yeah, a lot better. Part of it, I think, is the um, is the baseballs. But even beyond mm. that, I think. I think he like, yeah, he should be doing he yeah, should there be are a doing lot of better, better expect stats. Um, but yeah, in terms of whether I think he like what his chances uh that he will win or not so he has the offense he has the team behind him i mean the west is you know 99 chance the astros win that al west um so he has that going for him um i think also like wins above replacement is considered a little less when we're talking about dhs because we know you know we we kind of know like their their impact on offense sometimes you know it it's overlooked by wins above replacement i guess um and i think writers tend to favor dhs more than their f than their wins above replacement would indicate um and also like based on expected statistics he should be maintaining this level of offense a, a similar level of offense for the rest of the year i wouldn't be surprised if he had if he ended up with a weighted runs created plus around 200 uh, to end the year. Um, so, and that could be, that could be a big separation from the rest of the pack. If the, if the end of the year comes, um, I mean, I don't think he will end up winning it, but I think, I think there's a good chance of him being a potential finalist for sure. Um, I, I guess the most recent example to compare him to is JD Martinez from 2018. Um, Martinez led in, he led an RBI. He didn't lead in OPS. He didn't lead in weighted runs created plus. He won two silver sluggers that year. Yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he um, he trailed an OPS to Trout and Betts. So I guess that kind of hurt him. Alvarez isn't mm-hmm. currently trailing anybody in those statistics. So he might have uh, a better, better luck with that. But yeah, Martinez. Yeah. Martinez finished fourth in AL MVP at that point. Um, uh, who would you like to talk about next? Um, I think um, so. Who I listed first was Aaron Judge because he's like the he's the most popular pick right now. Depend like mm-hmm. you could debate whether it's deserved or not. None of these guys are running away with it currently. I would say. Yeah. Um, between the six that we're about to name, I don't think there's any right or wrong order to put them in. I think at the end we should do our rankings. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. So, and also what I forgot to mention about Alvarez, um, I put in win probability added the ranking in the American League. Alvarez is fourth in uh, win probability added, um, which is, yeah, that's very good. Aaron Judge, he's hitting 293 with a 1,006 OPS. He's second in the AL and F war and third in the AL and weighted runs created plus. He's the league leader in home runs with 28. And he's in the 100th percentile in expected Woba. He only trails. He only trails Jordan Alvarez out of like guys with a, you know, qualifying sample size. Uh, also mm -hmm. with Aaron judge, he has two outs above average um, defensively. So he's slightly above average um, on the defensive side of things. And he is third in win probability added in the American league. Um, you know, the, I think what a lot of people are considering also is uh, he's on the best team in baseball. He's maybe he's a, a large reason of why the Yankees are what 54 and 20. So something crazy like that. So, yeah, like that's a big reason why people are thinking he's going to be running away with it. Um, I, th I think, yeah. yeah, I think there's a good, if it, if it comes, go ahead. If it comes down to this close a race, which I mean, the idea that all six will be this close by the time we get to the end of the season is probably very low because, you know, it's very likely that maybe someone, knock on wood, gets hurt. Hopefully not. But, you know, someone outplays others. Someone falls off a little bit because they're obviously all at a super high standard right now that it's hard to imagine all six are going to play you know, 165 OPS baseball, or actually 170 OPS plus baseball for the entire last three months of the season uh, while also healthy the whole time. But yeah, if it comes down to a race where it's this close, I think Aaron Judge is probably the most deserving candidate just based on team success. Like I know that we try to avoid, avoid team success when talking about the MVP race, but when you have a team that, you know, who knows how many games the Yankees are going to win, let's say, I mean, they're on pace for around 120 right now. So if they stay on that pace and maybe win like 110, it's it's hard to give it to someone without that's not judge uh, under those circumstances. Yeah, and then and also just being a a baseball observer, <clears throat> and I know mm -hmm. like social media doesn't reflect you know uh, an objective Talent. race, but like you know you just see him consistently with. De, you know he's he's delivering in some high leverage situations i think you know he recently had a walk off on sunday i think he had an, another walk off um thursday yeah he had, he had two walk offs in that one series um mm -hmm. so he's delivering delivering when uh when it matters you know he's third and win probability added in the, in the american league um he's also the complete the complete package you know, a, a good defensive right fielder. Um, I think he's. Hasn't he moved to center? Um, oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's even more impressive. Like he kind of had to learn a, a harder position on the fly this year. Yeah. So like <clears throat> a quality, a quality defender out in center field. He's a quality base runner. And of course, you know, one of the best at smashing baseballs. Um as yeah. he has, you know, a 25% barrel rate, which is <laughs> pretty insane. Um, very, very insane. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 
no one's going to su- be surprised if he ends up grabbing this award. Um, <clears throat> and I think there's a very good argument that he's the front runner right now. Um, all right. Do we I will want... go next. Yeah, go um, ahead. I will talk about Jose Ramirez next nice. because, I mean, there are so many things he's doing that no one else is doing. For example, the uh, 12 stri- 12% walk rate with the 7% strikeout rate. He has the lowest strikeout rate in Major League Baseball among qualifiers, and he also has an, a weighted runs created plus of 178. Actually, Luis Arias is tied with him now with his exact same walk rate, funnily enough. But I mean, what, what, what can't, what is there not to say about Jose Ramirez and what he's done this year? You know, we've talked about the guardians being a surprise team. They up until a few days ago, were leading the American league central. And I might also put a, you know, a guardians player on slightly alarming. That's, that's how much he's been carrying this team. He is a flat 1000 OPS with plus base running amazing walk numbers with strikeout numbers as well. Defense has been acceptable. Uh, not anything superb, but I mean, he's hitting 300, 387, 613 for a 1000 OPS. He's a switch hitter as well, so he can do it from both sides. He has a 418 Woba with ex- with an expected Woba right around the same place, I'm pretty sure. Um, he has a, yeah, th- oh, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's been outstanding. He has a 3.9 wins above replacement that ranks uh, third among these, these uh, six only behind someone who we'll name later and Aaron judge. And I don't know, like <laughs> anything that you can say about him has been good. He also has a 276 BABIP. So there's reason to believe he might actually be getting a little unlucky. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jose, Jose Ramirez is um, his, his luck factor is it's a little weird. Like, so I, and I'll get into it uh, a little later, but yeah. With Jose Ramirez, um, satisfactory um, numbers with a flat 300 average and a flat 1,000 OPS. So that's pretty mm-hmm. that's pretty quality. Um, yeah, third in the American League in F4, fourth in OPS and weighted runs created plus. And he has 12 stolen bases, which are tied for sixth in um, in the American League. He's also second in the American League in offensive runs above average, which includes you know, that's, that's your offensive impact, you know, hitting base running, mm-hmm. all that um, negative one outs above average. So, I mean, that's pretty much just a, what's the term. It's just pretty much a little round average. Not, not, below. it's, it's not effective. Um, his defense isn't really affecting it good or bad his case. Um, and um so he's the what's interesting about him is he has the highest woba minus x woba out of 162 hitters or as of yesterday it was 162 hitters with 150 plus batted balls this year but it's weird because it's it's not because he's like blooping um it's not because he's like blooping the ball or like getting some ground balls with eyes it's like kind of the fault of it's like the one thing you could have an issue with with uh with like the expected statistics is it doesn't factor direction and he's had a lot of pull home runs um his and i've i did a little digging last night he's 
he has the eighth highest rate of pull home runs out of 70 batters with um, 10 plus home runs this season. And I was trying to see what his slugging minus expected slugging was on home runs, particularly um, because, you know, the thing about expected statistics is, you know, a, you know, a 100 mile per hour exit velocity and 25 degree launch angle that that's what the, the, the exit velocity and the launch angle is exactly what um, is the only things that are considered when considering expected batting average. If you hit that right down the right field line, or if you hit that to dead center, you're going to get the same expected statistics. So when you're pulling a lot of home runs, um, it's not going to be super friendly. You're, it's not going to be super friendly to you. However, like, you know, he's not getting lucky because he's pulling all his home runs. He's, you know, you can write like a hitter, a hitter of his caliber can recognize when you can pull the ball. And, you know, he's been doing that. So I don't really consider, I don't necessarily consider the Woba minus uh, X Woba marks or that, that luck gap. So yeah, final stat I'll have on Jose Ramirez. There are, I think it's still 70. Um, yeah, still 70 batters to 71 batters to have um, 71 batters to have 10 home runs this season. Ramirez has the fourth highest slugging minus X slugging, slugging minus expected slugging of those 71, meaning um, he's expected to slug the fourth, like he's, he's fourth lucky, fourth quote unquote luckiest on his home runs but it just means he's really pulling the ball in his home runs. And um, it, I, I don't factor that as much as if, you know, someone's grounding balls through the hole or, you know, blooping balls into, into, you know, against the shift or, or something like that in terms of, you know, using the luck factor. I don't really use it as much if you're just pulling home runs. Um, so I think, I think Ramirez's success is sustainable. Um long story short with all those numbers that's what i'm trying to say his his uh i think his season is sustainable i think he's going to stay in this race and uh keep establishing himself as you know one of the best players in baseball he's been that way uh for a while now and ramirez uh last thing i'll say on him is he is 10th in win probability added um in in the american league so he trails a little bit in, in that department, but I think one game can really change your win probability added. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, next player um, I can get into is uh, actually we'll stay at third base um, and talk about Rafael Devers. He's hitting 333 with a 995 OPS. He's first in the American League in F4 fifth in the American League in weighted runs created plus. He's also the league leader in doubles with 26. And also what should be noted is out of him, Judge, Trout, Ramirez, and Alvarez, Devers has the most defensive runs above average. He's really improved his defensive game. And that's shown um, with Fangraphs' uh, main metric of, of uh, defense. Uh, also, Devers is Second in win probability added in the American League. Um, yeah, Devers, uh, he's he's interesting. You know, first year where he's really in the heat of this uh, MVP race. 
Um, what are your thoughts on Rafael Devers? I mean, there's a lot of things that have definitely improved uh, of his. Uh, you mentioned the defense, like the, the Fangraphs overall stat is better. His outs above average is still in the 17th percentile, which isn't good, but it's uh, it's a pretty significant upgrade for him. You'd be pretty surprised because he was in the fourth percentile uh, in 2020, the first percentile in 2021. Of course, 2019, he had that random year where he was in the 99th percentile after never passing the 10th percentile in any other year. Also, um, but he's been doing better this year. Also, also percentile for out above average can be weird because like especially at this yes, point because season, there's, league. there's so many fielders and many of them are like league average so if you're like barely below mm-hmm. league average you can be like at a very bad percentile i think you i think outs above average wise exactly. he's probably at like negative one or negative two which is average yeah i can check that but anyway uh he in years past he had had a couple of struggles just with hitting fastballs um and this year he is hitting 326 with a 695 slugging percentage against fastballs and his expected statistics are right there like they're three or four points below so that's really a non-factor he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do if you look at his hit spray chart it is just a beautiful thing <laughs> like it's 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 evenly spread around the field there's, you know, lots of doubles, lots of home runs. It's very, you know, the, the color code is very uh, aesthetically pleasing for sure. Um, his line drive rate is higher than his fly ball rate. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty remarkable. 27.8% to 23.6%. Uh, his ground ball rate is 43.5%, which is pretty low. Um, so that's pretty excellent. I mean, he's just, he like, the best thing to say about Devers is just that he's crushing the ball, and he is. Uh, his hard hit rate is currently at 53.6%. That is in the 97th percentile. Uh, he's also in the 99th percentile in expected batting average, and the 98th in average exit velocity, the 95th in ex-woba, the 96th in ex-slugging, the 88th in barrel percentage, and the 77th percentile in K rate, which is actually pretty significant. Last year, uh, his strikeout rate was 21.5%. This year, it's down to 17%. Um, the walks, you would like to be a little higher, but they're right around his league average or his his career average. So, as far as batted ball data, uh, Devers and plate appearance data, Devers is doing just about as well as he's ever done, if not better. Yeah, he's he's um, just one of the best best bat to ball hitters out there. Um, and like, I'm not, you know, it's. With Devers, it's like I, I don't necessarily hate him having a low walk rate because even when he swings out of the zone, a lot of the times it, it is a hit. Um, he's his chase contact rate is probably like one of the best out there. Um, and he, mm-hmm. he does well. Uh, I can check that. I think he does well when uh hitting out of the zone, but um, I would I would break that down maybe at a, his, at a later his, date. His, his chase contact percent is 62.8. Um, I think that's above that's average. I thought amazing. it would have been a little higher, but it's still amazing. I mean, his career average is 63.3. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Devers, you know, hit, I, I, I think he'll stay in this race, um, especially if his strikeout rate is down, um, quality, quality of contact is up um yeah yeah Devers um he's he's really establishing himself he's 25 um I think he'll just keep getting better and 
um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it makes sense that he's in this MVP race. Also mm-hmm. big reason why the Red Sox are, you know, in the playoff race, they're, uh, a firm wild card team right now after an 11 and 20, yeah, 11 and 20 start. Um, and yeah, endeavors is a big reason why they're, they've had, uh, their very recent success. Um, do we want to get into, um, our angels, our angels? Yes. Yeah. So I will, I will go first with Mike Trout. Uh, at this point, he really doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, he is slashing 286, 391, 647 for a 1038 OPS. And that's even with that big uh, offer that he had in like uh, around the losing streak, like early June. Um, he has a 188 weighted runs created plus that leads everyone in the American League except for Jordan Alvarez. His defense has improved this year. He has 3.8 wins above replacements, which is right around everyone else. Um, a 13% walk rate. His strikeout rate is pretty high, but I feel like that probably doesn't, won't get considered very much. He also has a higher expected Woba than his actual Woba. Uh, he has a three thir- 432 Woba and a 436 uh, expected Woba. So he's doing just about what, you, what you'd think. Uh, this is really interesting. In 2021, his launch angle went down to 12% or 12 degrees and had never been below eight uh like the last two years that had been in the twenties and now it's actually the highest it's been in the stat cast era. It's at 24.4%. Um, he has a fly ball rate at 47%. Wow. That is, that is remarkable. Oh my Lord. Yeah. He's um, fly ball rate at 47%. Um, a ground ball rate at 23%. So Mike Trout's batted ball data has been historic. Uh, he is a, like I mentioned earlier, he has a 47.2% uh, fly ball rate that leads the 4,605 seasons with at least 150 batted balls since 2008, 75 fly balls, 159 total batted balls. Additionally, he has a 23.9% ground ball rate that ranks third on that same list Uh of 4,605 seasons. The only two that uh, have a lower ground ball rate are Rod Barajas in 2010 and 11. Shout out to Foolish Baseball. <laughs> yeah, Mike Trout. Um, yeah, really lifting the ball. You mentioned an average launch angle of 24.4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And he's hitting, I mean, getting good results. Well, one, one thing that's very funny, Rod Barajas in 2000. I just want to, okay, actually, never mind. Scratch, scratch what I was going to say. Rod Barajas also on top of the, uh, the fly ball leaderboards. Yeah. Like, which it makes sense. I, for some reason I thought it didn't, but it does. You would think with the, with the baseballs, the way they are, like having a higher fly ball rate wouldn't work out, but um, that's going to hurt you. But yeah, trout, um, trout's hit 22 home runs. What's his home run to fly ball ratio? 22 um, home runs. His home run to fly ball ratio is it's 24.4. So that's that's very good. Yeah. Seems so, yeah. Um yeah, that's pretty crazy. But uh but yeah, regarding overall statistics, yeah, uh he's hitting 
286 with a 1038 OPS. He's second in OPS and weighted runs created plus. He's fourth in F4, 99th percentile in expected WOBA. Also um, doing pretty well in the defensive department, which is something I, I wouldn't necessarily expect as a guy heading into his 30s and uh, coming off a, an injury that um, mm-hmm. wasn't it a cat? Was it a calf injury? Something like that. Yeah. It was like a base run related injury, I believe. Yeah. I think it was, you know, something that uh, restricted his mobility. And yet he has three outs above average this year, um, which would put him on a pace to have like, you know, seven or eight, which is a very, very quality uh, defensive season. And also Mike Trout, um, which is kind of surprising. This is, this stat is kind of surprising considering the team he's on, but he's first in win probability added, um, which is uh, pretty nuts. But um, nonetheless, yeah, I mean, doing all he can to help the Angels win, uh, like every year. Yeah. But um, but yeah, first in in uh, in win probability added. Um, so yeah, he he himself has a very interesting case as well. Um, and uh, and we'll stay in that race. And, you know, there's always going to be the people that are saying, you know, shouldn't be in the race if you're not in the, if you're not in the playoffs. But I mean, the thing I say every time is what would that's such an after last year, you can't say that like the, the top three vote getters in AL and NL MVP all didn't make the playoffs. You can't be using that argument anymore. It's, it's yeah. I, I, I like, I like that the writers know that's a stupid argument now. But uh, there's still, you know, a mm-hmm. good amount of fans out there that <clears throat> live by that narrative. Whatever. But yeah, who cares? Where would the Angels be without Mike Trout? They'd they'd be in a much worse position. <laughs> I mean, he's first in win probability added um, in the American League, so clearly he's making a, a very good impact for that team. Um, and usually. Win probability added is is a stat skewed towards guys on winning teams. He's not on a winning team, and he's still first in that stat, mm-hmm. uh, which says a lot about his season. Um, I guess uh, do anything more on Mike Trout? I think we covered all of it, really. Um, yeah. Uh, so last guy, um, I want to talk about the reigning AL MVP, um. Not as much hype this year, but still very much in the running and still has a has a good chance of um of winning this race. Shohei Otani, um, he's kind of had he's had a better pitching season this year than last year, uh, funnily enough. Um offensively, mm-hmm. he's been um he hasn't been as good, but he's still been very, very good. Um it's it's funny like how close his OPS plus and ERA plus is. Well, at least as of last night. Um, I don't know if the stats are completely updated, but as of last night, he had a 135 OPS plus and 136 ERA plus. Um, also, what should be considered is his FIP is better than his ERA this year. Um, so that, uh, you know, that works out for uh, for him pretty well. I mean, a 276 FIP this year, pretty insane. His strikeout to walk numbers are crazy as a pitcher. Um, his offensive numbers are great. Uh, not as big of an impact on the bases this year, I will say, than he, as, as he was last year. Um, and then overall, he is eighth in combined B-War and eighth in combined F-War in the American League. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say on Shohei Otani is he's um, 
18th unluckiest with hitting um, in Woba minus X Woba out of the 160 some odd batters with 150 plus batted balls this year. Um, so he's gotten a little unlucky with the bat. Maybe that's a reason why he um, hasn't had as great as of uh, offensive numbers. So maybe those numbers can, uh, can climb up a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on Otani this year? So this is probably the trickiest of the, of the six candidates because so if you add up his B, if if you add up his F four on the pitching and hitting side, it adds up to three point three, which is actually the lowest of the six candidates that we've that we've mentioned. But you still like you have to factor in the fact that he's pitching and hitting at the same time. You can't just you can't just pretend like that isn't a thing when you're evaluating these players. And when you look at what he did last year, like this year seems very underwhelming. But like you can't you can't do that. Like you can add, like if, if Shohei was doing this last season, we would have reacted the same way. We would have been like, this is unbelievable. The guy, the type of season that this guy is having right now, of course he was much, much better. He was the top offensive player in the league while also being a solid pitcher this year. It is a little more, more balanced out between the two, but yeah, you can't just like, we can't just become numb to pretty decent at both when we saw amazing at one and decent at one last year, because decent at both at the same time is still unprecedented. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that has to be desired. And, I, and, and like 135 OPS plus and 136 ERA plus, I would say also, you know, I don't think, you, I don't think you would disagree with this, but that's even beyond decent. Um, that's like very good, like very good marks. Um, this season for both uh and also like in terms of like all six of these candidates i think otani has still has the most like potential um i think there's there's still some things we haven't seen out of him um whereas like you know jordan aaron judge devers ramirez and trout i would say are all pretty much playing to their full potential like Otani still, I think there's still some, there's, there's more to come from him. He's not doing bad at all, but I think there's still a little more that, that we could see from him this year. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned one of the unluckier bats, uh, like the, the hitting, I think will come around. Like, I don't think he, I think he has an 830 OPS right now. I think, I think we're looking at at least a high 800 for him by the end of the year, along with that solid pitching. Um, do we want to go over what our, do we want to do current rankings and what we think the rankings will be between the six of them at the end of the year? Sure. Sure. And this is, because this, I think that'll change. Okay. This will be completely off top for me, but, uh, do you want to go ahead? Same. Yeah. So if I'm doing current rankings between the six that we just mentioned, uh, you know, Ramirez, Devers, Judge, Trout, Jordan, Shohei, I would say as of right now, my AL MVP is Jose Ramirez. Number two, I have Aaron Judge. Number two or number three, uh, I would go with I would go with Trout, then Otani, then Devers, then Alvarez. It's it's such a hard ranking because any of that could change on any given day, and yours is probably going to look a lot different because they are all so close. But like like I said, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Yeah, very very true. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard to, uh, it's very hard to decide on. I, I might 
say based off of offensive rate statistics and defense that we've seen um although outs above average doesn't tell the whole story i could go trout one hmm am i comfortable doing that though you could go anyone one yeah i like uh like i think outs above average doesn't consider the arm as much and judge has played slightly Mm -hmm. more games trout had like a little bit of a um he had like a day-to-day injury thing that kept him from playing a little bit but so i guess i'll go judge one trout two um ramirez three uh devers four alvarez five otani six um for current rankings for okay so what are we feeling for end of season rankings i guess i'll go first yeah this is gonna be off the top of my head i'd go judge Otani, Devers, Trout, Ramirez, Jordan. Um, who'd you have number two? Otani. Otani, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think my end of the year. Um yeah, I think yeah, I think Judge will win it. Um where it stands right now. I think it'll go judge. Um, then I might go Ramirez two, Otani three, um, Devers four, Trout five, Alvarez six. Although I don't know. I don't know either. I don't like Trout. I, I don't see Trout being Trout isn't a, it wouldn't be number five. It, just wouldn't make sense maybe no yeah that's why i put him at three i would say okay let me redo that judge judge number one trout two ramirez three otani four devers five um alvarez six alvarez and like it's not guaranteed that this will be the top six but i think we're going among these six what will the rankings be all right i'll i'll change i'll change it real quick uh Alvarez five, Devers six. Because okay. I think Alvarez's quality of contact signifies like he's gonna be he's gonna remain at the top of these offensive rankings. Not yeah. saying that Devers isn't, but like Alvarez has been that good of a hitter. Um all right. Um, so I guess that leads into players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Um, we'll start with the good. Um with our what is it our uh tuesday june 28 2022 edition of uh, um who do you have for us today side note so uh this is the funniest thing ever so the uh the 2022 espies like the ESPN, you know, yearly sports awards. They just announced their their nominees for other awards for best MLB player. This is too funny. The uh, the candidates are Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, and Jorge Soler. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> when you only watch I, I Game get Six that. of the World Series. <laughs> did you only watch yeah it's 
that's just too good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not going to win it. Like they're gonna give it to Otani and deservingly so. But man, that is just too funny. It is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, when you confuse World Series MVP for MVP. Yeah. Even Matt, like, I mean, if I'm Vlad Jr., I'm pissed. True, yeah. Yeah. And Jorge Soler was Jorge a Jorge Soler was on the Royals this time last year. He was a slightly alarming of yours, I think. Yes. In the last year. <laughs> I guess it was before the SBs. I don't know like what timeline they use, because like if they use the back half of 2021 and the first of 2022. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. Either I, way, I it's know. extremely weird. It's very funny though. Like not that. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I couldn't I couldn't tell you, off the top of my head, who has won the ESPYS for for best MLB player in the past. I would just guess by who won MVP. Like yeah. in twenty twenty one, I I guess I would have said Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't think I don't, I don't think anyone was voting Jose Abreu at the time. No, no. Maybe like Mookie Betts. Yeah, actually, it probably would have been Mookie Betts. I don't know because he did win a World Series and whatever. But I I just thought that was very funny that it was those three like top of the game hitters and then Jorge Soler. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um. <laughs> all right. So who do you who do you have as your as your how about that? Yeah. So my how about that um was someone who had a lot of expectations placed on him this year, and I think he's coming into his own right now. And it's Josiah Gray. Uh, he has hmm. a 124 ERA over his last five starts, which ranks third best, tied for third best among the 127 pitchers with at least uh 20 innings pitched. Over that span, uh, he does have 29, so he doesn't exactly hit the qualifier. And he also, he has a 3.68 FIP in the span. So he has been on the luckier side, but uh, his batted ball data has changed for the better. And there are a lot of reasons. You know, I think the message here is there's still more to come with the work in progress that is Josiah Gray, but there are a lot of things that are coming right now. So before this span, uh, Josiah Gray had a line drive rate of 31.5%, which was the fourth worst among the 123 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls against over that span. And in this span, his line drive rate has shrunk to just 16.7%. That is ninth best among the 145 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls. So he went from fourth worst to ninth best uh, throughout the span. Also, before the span, he had a sweet spot percentage against of 46.8%, the highest of the 123 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls. And in this span, uh, his sweet spot percentage has shrunk to 27.8%. That is tied for the 20th best among the 145 pitchers with 50 batted balls against. And lastly, for the whole season, 23% of his batted balls have had a launch angle above 45 degrees. That is the highest rate among the 117 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against. So Josiah Gray, he's been figuring it out with the batted balls. He's getting better contact for himself. The walks and the home runs are still to come, but as of right now, he's doing better. Yeah. Uh, Josiah Gray. How 
Um, Josiah Gray, of course, was in the Max Scherzer Trey Turner deal last year. He was the top prospect to go in that package. And uh, I guess for the listeners, if you're wondering what the significance of the directional ball data, you know, getting it in the direction you don't want, like, I mean, I guess hitters can kind of control the direction, but like, if you're being more deceptive as a pitcher and the pitches aren't as predictable or if they're moving better, it's harder for the pitcher or it's harder for the batter to identify the ball and, and um, get it where they hit it, you know, how they want to hit it. So I think, you know, the, the directional batted ball uh, data is very, it's very significant. And, you know, that's why, you know, it does signify a positive change if hitters are, having that much of a drastic change um so that crosses a, another team off the list right yes it does um mine doesn't i'm afraid to say uh but <laughs> that's okay but you know we we got time um you can't my... you can't do it for the wrong reasons you can't you can't <clears throat> put a guy in how about that just to knock the team off you can't do it it's just not it's not pure um yeah but my how about that um He's, he's a little more higher profile. He's on a higher profile team. And I've, I highlighted him twice last year. He was a, he was a, he was a freeze over for a little bit. There's potential again this year, I guess, because he's a, how about that? However, I'm talking about Dansby Swanson. Um, since May 25th, he is hitting 367 with a 1027 yeah. OPS um, and a 185 weighted runs created plus. In this span, out of uh, about 180 qualifiers, his average ranks fifth, his on-base percentage ranks eighth, his slugging ranks seventh, his OPS ranks fifth, his weighted runs created plus ranks fifth, and his F-WAR total package ranks second because he's a, a great defender and a quality base runner as well. Uh, also, since this date, out of 245 batters with 50-plus batted balls, his expected WOBA... Um, his expected Woba ranks seventh, I believe it might've changed that this is the one stat I forgot to change, but it's in the top 10 for sure. Out of, a, out of 245, um, on the defensive side, he also ranks 18th in, uh, defensive runs above average. Um, so the changes for Dansby Swanson offensively, we'll start with the line drive rate, uh, that has gone from 23.7% to 32.4%. That rate, that 32.4% line drive rate ranks uh, 14th out of 245 in this span. Also, his hard hit line drive rate has gone from 11.8% to 20.6%, which is 10th out of 245. Is you know his hard hit line drive rate one of the best since uh, since your birthday, Daniel? Since May 25. Um, yeah. His uh, also. Uh, his in in just count statistics his 21 hard hit line drives which are line drives hit 95 plus miles per hour his 21 hard hit line drives since may 25th are second most uh in baseball uh only aaron judge is ahead of him and in this span his strikeout rate has gone from 34 percent before this span to 18 percent nearly cut it in half uh dansby swanson has wow um a lot of it has to do with uh, 
how he's done with two strikes particularly. This is kind of fascinating. So before this span, in two strike counts, he hit 172 with a 535 OPS and a 54.9% strikeout rate. Um, but in this span with two strikes, he is hitting 296 with an 854 OPS and a 34.7% strikeout rate. So his strikeout rate with two strikes has gone down about 20%. His OPS has gone up over 300 points. Um, and his OPS with two strikes in this span ranks ninth out of 239 qualifying batters and his slugging ranks sixth. Um, so Dansby Swanson, uh, he's getting line drives at a better rate, getting hard hit line drives at a better rate and uh, really adjusting well with two strikes. Um, you know, this is a, this is a kind of important how about that too, but because I believe he's a free agent at the end of this year. Um, so he's trying to get that money. Um, he's, you know, performed very well defensively and now offensively he has become, uh, he's had an elite month to say the least, you know, fifth and weighted runs created plus in uh, over a month span. So Dansby Swanson getting a very well-deserved. Um, yes, he is. So now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players of subjects that are under performing with our Tuesday, June 28, 2022 edition of slightly alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? So I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about key Brian Hayes. I don't really have a way to intro him, but, um, ah. it's been a bit concerning. Uh, he's had a, some concern. I mean, his defense is excellent. I feel like if you ask the average baseball fan what his career OPS plus is, I feel like a lot of people would have an answer that's higher than 106. True. But, uh, that's where he's at right now. And a lot of it has to do with what he's done since June 10th, because since then he is slashing 158, 172, 316 for a 488 OPS and a 30 weighted runs created plus. That ranks eighth worst among qualifiers in that span. Um, before the span, he had an 11.5% walk rate. And in the span, it is 1.7%, also the eighth worst among qualifiers. Before the span, his strikeout rate was 19.7%. And in this in this uh, span, it is 32.8%. He also, I mentioned sweet, sweet spot percentage with Josiah Gray, and it applies here too. Key Brian Hayes' sweet spot percentage in this span is 21.1%. That is the 12th lowest of the 268 hitters with at least 25 batted balls over this span. And also in this span, 42.1% of his batted balls have had a launch angle at or below negative five. So that is a sharp ground ball directly into the ground. 42% of the time, that's what he's doing when he's not striking out 32% of the time. And that is the sixth highest rate on that same list of 268 hitters. So key Brian Hayes, the Pirates haven't been doing super well lately. You know, they've been kind of promising here and there. O'Neill Cruz is up now, which is cool, but key Brian Hayes hasn't been able to pick up that part of the load. Uh, key Brian Hayes. Slightly alarming. Um, in our F4 league, I acquired him on June 10th. So I uh, love to see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and I had him as a slightly alarming last year and, and the problem was ground balls. So it's, it's when he's hitting yeah. ground balls is, is when he is what is when he's having problems um, or an excessive amount of ground balls, you know, ground balls are going to happen, but if you're hitting, mm -hmm. you know, a lot more than you should, you know, bad things can happen. Um, 
this is maybe the most obscure I've gone for a slightly alarming. alarming. Um, I love it. I'm talking about the San Francisco Giants defense. Their defense. Uh, after having 27 outs above average as a team last year to rank fifth in Major League Baseball, the Giants defense has negative 26 outs above average, which is second to last in baseball. Um, the Giants' BABIP against is uh, third highest in baseball. That's kind of a, a luck factor. Um, so pitchers have been having the third worst luck, and a lot of it has to do with their defense. Um, their batting average minus expected batting average and their WOBA minus ex-WOBA is second unluckiest in the league. Um, and then breaking it down individually, Brandon Crawford had 15 outs above average last year. This year, he has negative four. Mike Yastrzemski had six outs above average last year. This year, he has zero. Darren Ruff had four outs above average last year. This year, he has negative five. And Brandon Belt had two outs above average last year. And this year, he has negative three. A lot of, uh, a lot of individual Giants have just been doing a lot more poorly defensively. Um, the Giants as a whole team have a 4.01 ERA and a 3.52 FIP. Um, you know, Alex Cobb has been the worst victim of that. He has a 5.48 ERA, 3.21 FIP, and a 2.33 expected ERA with an actual ERA, you know, in the mid fives. Alex Wood um, is another victim of this. He has a 5.05 ERA and a 3.61 FIP. <clears throat> and uh, last year I highlighted Giants pitching for their increase in ground ball rate. Um, the, you know, they had a transit, a massive transition where they, they just, they just induce ground balls now all the time. Um, so the Giants have the highest ground ball rate in all of baseball. Um, and they have the third lowest average exit velocity against on those particular ground balls. So you would imagine that would produce very, very good results. However, the Giants have the third highest average against on ground balls with a 261 average. They also have the second highest batting average minus expected batting average on uh, on ground balls, particularly meaning they're second unluckiest with batting average on ground balls. Uh, also, opponents are hitting 194 on ground balls, 90 miles per hour or less, which is the highest average on such ground balls in the league. The league average batting average on ground balls of 90 miles per hour or less is 150. Giants as a team are at uh, 194. And also, last thing I will say is all those stats um, do not include bunts. Um, so it's just uh, regular gr ground balls on regular swings. And the Giants defense, um, they've took a turn for the worst. It's been very weird to see, um, especially when you look at a guy like Brandon Crawford, who was near top of the league last year and now near bottom of the league. Um, that's pretty crazy to consider. So you have to wonder what's going on there. But the Giants defense are getting a slightly alarming. Um, and that does it for players to highlight. And now we'll get into our previews of the week ahead. <clears throat> um, I'll talk about some series to watch. Daniel will talk about some uh, day by day pitching matchups. Um, we're actually going to 
be hoping to record on Thursday. So not too much to preview uh, today, but some of the series to talk about have already started. Um, but one that, um, well, actually one that just started an hour ago was Guardians Twins. Um, I'm wondering what the length of that series is going to be. Uh, that will be, um, they have a double header today and then a game on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, battling it out for the top of the AL Central with the Guardians and Twins going to be a four game series. Uh, it's as we're recording this, it has already started. Um, that's a, a very quality matchup to watch. Red Sox Blue Jays as well is a, a pretty big one to watch. Chris, um, three game series that started last night. Red Sox kind of punted the game. They had uh, Connor Siebold going against Kevin Gosman and they lost seven to nothing as, as one would expect. Um, and then uh, there's also some quality interleague matchups. You got um, the Mets and Astros um, completing their four game season series uh, at City Field. Um, you have know, a World Series rematch. You have a World Series rematch between somewhere in here. Between the Giants and Tigers. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> but yeah, the battle of Tark Scooble going in the revenge game tonight. Yes, big time. From 10 years ago. He was 14 when that was going on. I bet the uh I bet the Giants are doing the the 10 year anniversary this weekend. That would be if they funny. haven't already. I, I if it would make sense. Actually, it's on a Tuesday, probably not. I don't think they do it for a week's week series. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson has had this one on his mind for a while. <laughs> <laughs> As a, after... When he was in like eighth grade. Yeah. He was like 12 watching the series, being like, ha. God, I can't. We're gonna get those guys. We're you finally have our opportunity. Um, so yeah, World Series rematch there, and uh, (laughs) and yeah, another another quality um interleague series going on is uh Rays Brewers at Tropicana. Um, so yeah, that uh, that does it for series to watch. What do you got for the day by day matchups? So we're only doing two days between uh between shows so on tuesday tonight frankie montas will be going for the a's against the yankees in the yankee stadium uh, in red sox blue jays michael walker versus ross stripling is tonight they've both been having pretty under the radar good seasons uh, framer valdez will be going for the astros against the mets at city field brandon woodruff and shane boz will be facing each other in uh brewers and rays that is brandon woodruff's i believe his return from the il yes um yeah you will have Luis Castillo and Keegan Thompson going for each other in uh, Reds versus Cubs at, at Wrigley. Uh, Kershaw versus Freeland and Dodgers Rockies at Coors. Um, Sean Manaya versus Zach Gallen and Padres Diamondbacks. That's a good one. Tarek Skubal versus Carlos Rodon in the aforementioned Tigers and Giants. Robbie Ray will be going for the uh, Mariners against the Orioles. He'll be facing Dean Creamer. Uh, we'll be talking about the Orioles next episode, so that's a tease. Match for the night comes from Braves-Phillies, Charlie Morton versus Zach Wheeler. 
Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. That is a good one. That's, that's a quality matchup. So then on Wednesday, Eric Lauer will be facing the Rays for the Brewers and Tropicana. Um, Jamison Tyon will be facing Cole Irvin and A's Yankees. Justin Verlander and Taiwan Walker will be facing each other in Astros Mets. Dane Dunning and Zach Greinke will be facing each other in Rangers Royals at Kaufman. You will have Mike Clevenger and Madison Bumgarner facing each other in Padres Diamondbacks. Alex Wood will be facing the Tigers for the Giants. You will have uh, Kyle Wright and Ranger Suarez facing each other in Braves Phillies at Citizens Bank. Nick Pavetta versus Alec Manoa in Red Sox Blue Jays. That's a good one. Dylan Bundy versus Cal Quantrill in uh, Twins Guardians in Cleveland. Sandy Alcantara facing his former team in St. Louis. That'll be an exciting one. Just anytime Sandy pitches, really, it's an exciting one. Hunter Green versus Justin Steele in Reds, Cubs, and Wrigley. Julio Arias versus Herman Marquez at Coors. And match of the night comes from Angel Stadium. Michael Kopech versus Shohei Otani. Um, yeah, couple of that was an under the radar, very good matchup. Couple of real fireballers <clears throat> going at it mm-hmm. in uh, it's in Anaheim. Yep, in Anaheim. Um, so yeah, that does it for this installment of a, of above replacement radio. <clears throat> we hope you enjoyed this one. We hope to see you uh, in the future. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to. Watch the conversation as it happens. Go to our YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio and uh, subscribe to it. <clears throat> also, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all your show needs. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on Thursday where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. We will see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over <laughs>